Hey, this is Scotty Dingus, pastor of West Logan Church. We are glad you're joining us for our podcast today. I hope you find what you need in today's message. What would your best year ever look like? I mean, many of you maybe are thinking that now since I've said it. What would it mean to have your best year ever? I mean, I know you guys personally. I see some great things happening in your life already this year. But of course, we, we all have had what I would call one of those difficult years. Uh, but I hope that every year is my best year ever. You know, I, I look at that. I can look at all the bad things over this past year. But also, I can look at the miracles that God's done in our church. I can look at the miracles that God's done in my family. And, and yes, it's been difficult but I've seen God's working the whole time. And even though 2020 was a year that I believe was just purely spiritual warfare, and I've never seen spiritual warfare at that level in the saint's life and in the world, but I believe that we can put a lot of this behind us and begin to look forward to how to get to our best year ever. Some of you may be saying, how in the world can I do this? I mean, there's two problems we come up with. Some of us look at the difficult of uh, believing this type of thing. How uh, this sounds like an info, uh, you know, commercial. It sounds like one of those things at 1 a.m. Uh, that you listen to, and you got Billy on there telling you how this wax is nothing can ever scratch your vehicle again. You know it's a lie, but you know you're listening to it. You're caught up by it. Uh, so, but this is not one of those infomercials um, for us to look at and say, well, you know, this is just a bunch of words and really not putting any meat behind them. And then some of us would say, you know, we'd love to have our best year ever, but we don't know how. Where do we begin? Because we've heard plenty of what we would call TED Talks, and we've heard many people try to tell us to do certain things, and we become exhausted or disappointed in doing those things. But the thought of a best year ever is nice, but living it seems impossible. And honestly, there's times I've thought that as well, but I begin to look at this passage out of 1 Kings 17, and it began to inspire me, and over the next four weeks, we're going to begin to just pull out of it. But these four things that we'll look at each week, I believe will bring resolutions to our life that will impact areas of our life that are meaningful, that a better quality of life. So here's my thought. What do you have to lose? That's my thought today. What in the world do you have to lose trying to apply principles that we're going to look at over the next four weeks to your life? I would tell you today to invest this series in your life. If there's a series that you would invest this year, this is, would be the one because it's going to get things in proper place for you. And when you do that, I believe that God is going to bless you. So you're ready, okay? Turn to your neighbor today. If you've got a neighbor, if not, look at the aisle next to you and say, or even at home, look at them and say, today begins best year ever. Today begins my best year ever. There you go. So since we're staying in this one chapter, let's look at it. 1 Kings 17, verse number 1. It says, now Elijah the Tishbite from Tish in Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Now, the opening verse introduces Elijah, and he introduces that these people are going to go through some dire circumstances. We know if we didn't have rain for three and a half years up on the earth, I mean, we're like, I hope they got some supply of wheat and barley somewhere so we have some flour to bake a biscuit. That's exactly where they were at in this time. 
time, Elijah is one of the most significant Old Testament figures that we find throughout all Scripture. But needless to say, though that all these dire circumstances were coming, and we know that there's this time that he comes before the, the false prophets, and he's like, if you're God's God, let him send fire upon the sacrifice. And then, of course, Elijah's like, I serve the one true living God. And when he called upon his God, fire came down and consumed the sacrifice. So he defeated the false prophets and showed whose God was real. And needless to say, Elijah had this powerful relationship with God. And that's the main thing about serving God, is just having a relationship with Him. Not allowing Him to be some distant figure that we just talk about in Scripture, but literally allowing Him to speak to your life, work through you, and you speak to God. But because the nations drift from God's ways, they were diving into idolatry in such a fast pace. And Elijah divinely declared a drought. And it wasn't at God's word. It was at Elijah's word. He said, this is at my word. I'm going to declare that it's not going to rain. Now that's a, I've told you before, Elijah's one bad dude. Anybody that gets up and says it's not going to rain for three and a half years, we all would laugh. But Elijah declared it, it did not rain. In a sense, their spiritual drought was highlighted by a physical one. And Elijah said, since y'all don't want God and y'all want false gods and you want to allow so many things in your life of unimportance and you forgot about the one important God and what living is all about, then not only there's going to be a drought spiritually, but there's going to be a drought physically in your life. So years of no rain brought devastation to the farming culture. Of course, economic crisis was having. Their livestock began to die. And, and we find out that their crops dried up. So all kinds of things was going to happen. I can't even imagine how difficult that that kind of life would be. And everyone is affected, but those with the least uh, in their life as far as crops and livestock, it affected them more. Always when famine comes, those with the least amount in their life, it affects them first and far more than the others. But we get a front row row seat to what Elijah's doing here and what God is doing and how he's speaking to the people. And, and, and we're going to look at these story highlights about the widow who meets Elijah. Now, this widow, no doubt, devastation is there, and we see it. We see desperation there. And the life of a widow already is hard. She had no legal, no financial, no physical protection. She had no social security. She had no stimulus. She had no bailout package. But in the devastating drought, this is one, she was hopeless. And as a matter of fact, Elijah, here she, he meets this woman, and she's on her last bit of food. The Bible says the last bit of meal or flour in the jar or oil and all those things to make herself a cake or a biscuit or some cornbread. And I know it's a fast. I shouldn't be talking about those things, but I want you to think about, you know, the cornbread and biscuit. Maybe you're giving up. I don't know what it is, but you're like, you know, God outweighs these things. But she was literally going to feed this to her and her son, and their plan was, was to die. That's her plan. I mean, it's not a good plan. What are you going to do after you make that biscuit? Well, we're going to die. We're going to eat our last meal, and we're going, we have nothing else. And when Elijah meets her, she's worn out from these past years, no doubt, just like we was worn out from 2020. And she has little faith, and things are going to improve. And some people still yet today, even maybe in this service or watching online today, that you're saying, you know, I, I don't have much left in the tank. 
I, I, I don't know if faith is really rising to me like it should. And here is Elijah coming along of a time that has been difficult. And she's thinking really not this faith building thoughts. But my guess is like she's somewhat like us. Best year ever. How could that happen? And if that's you today, I just want you to know, first of all, it's not a lie. If God did one miracle last year, he can do another one even now. If he moved somewhat in your life last year, he's still moving in your life today. If he healed one marriage, he can heal yours. If he freed an addict, he can free your life. If he gave someone else their best year, he can give you your best year. So we need to muster up some faith. And we know that we are going to end some drought in our life. And we're going to open up more clearly to the destiny of what God has for you and I. So this message brings us to a place that we don't need to have fear, but we need to have faith in God. And we begin to see how God began to teach this widow how God is able to move even in a drought of our line. And he starts with the most single important lesson. Elijah starts out with order. I mean, some people don't like order. Their life is just disordered. I, I love order. I love schedules. I love agendas. I love seeing them. I mean, it's just like, you know, some people, uh, my wife, she see, gets new cookware. Uh, she's thrilled. I see an agenda, an order. I get thrilled. And, you know, it's just the little things in life. I go somewhere, oh, there's an agenda, there's a schedule. Been to places with no schedule, I get excited. So order matters. And with God, God is a God of order. He's not a God of disorder. God will take disorder and bring order into your life. And especially when you put him first in your life. But the Bible says in 1 Kings 17, 13, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, go home and do, ha- do as you have said, but first. He said, but first. So God is speaking through Elijah, no doubt, to her and said, there's something that you got to do first. There's something to it. There's order to this. Elijah's saying order matters. If things are going to improve your life, remember there's a way to do this. And matter of fact, the order in your life and the certain type of order you have in your life will determine the quality of life. And let me explain this to you. Today, we're going to look at these jars. I know I'm not a prop person, so y'all should get excited. You're not going to see this often if you're new here. If you've been here a long time, you're like, Pastor never brings out anything. First Wednesday, a couple months ago, I brought out a shovel. And uh, that was a big deal. So today, we're going to look at this. And we're going to look at different types of rocks, okay? We've got rocks, and we've got all these little pebbles in here. And I'm going to call them pebbles. They're beans, uh, but they're pebbles. And, you know, this first big rock, of course, we know is God. And then we have other rocks in our life like family. And um, we have other rocks in our life like uh, not just family, but our marriage. And then we have our family and children. And, you know, there's just different rocks in here. Maybe another one is your job, you know. Uh, but definitely this big one here is God. And, but all this right here represents the things that we fill our life up with that's not important. Half of this is social media and Facebook. Okay? Amen. Some of you are like, amen. Come on, preach now, brother. Preach right there. Well, that's all I got on that part. Um, <laughs> and, and nothing against our online community watching on Facebook. It's got its pleasures, okay? So stay on. Stay tuned. But these rocks represent the biggest part of our life, the big ones. And then all these pebbles or beans represent the things that really doesn't mean that much. They are just things we fill our life with, like Netflix. 
maybe like Netflix binging. I mean, I'm, I'm guilty. I, I like it. I think there's no better downtime sometimes than that. But sometimes if we allow that to overtake the important, then things begin to get hindered in our life. Or what about, you know, uh, golfing too much? I don't golf enough. Uh, but I really don't. I should golf more. Um, <laughs> Kristen tries to get me to go more. So, but, you know, we have things that's meaningless in our life. I mean, all kinds of just meaningless things that really doesn't amount to a hill of beans. Um, I mean, you know, maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's uh, looking at things that's inappropriate. Uh, maybe it's constantly hearing things inappropriately. Uh, maybe it is a, a life that never really uh, puts the right things in order. It's not that you don't believe in these things. You definitely believe in them, but you have a lot of things in your life that take priority, and they're so small, and they're so minute, and that's what we do. And we have that full in our life, in our spirit, and in, in our physical life. And as we begin to look at order, there's some principles that take place. And sometimes we think we need this big jar to contain everything. And if you know me well, I, I throw away things quite often. And sometimes I, I get in trouble for throwing away things. And um, I do better at the house. I've been accused the last few years around the church and the house of throwing things away that I didn't. And they still accuse me because I think they think it's fun. But God is the most important, so he goes into our spirit first. Right? And then you have... Your family, your, your marriage should be before even the kids. And if your kids ever come before your marriage, then you're messed up. And it needs to be God first, then your marriage. You know, it's what we preach. It's what God preaches. And then your kids and your family. And then you have come to your life, your job. And, you know, there's other big rocks we could put in there. It's pretty meaningful. But we take this jar, and once we do those things, it's okay to have some of these. There's nothing wrong with that. They don't mean you go home and cancel everything that I just mentioned that could take priority, but these are the things. But notice when we pour these ones in, we've got our priorities first. Without knowing it, when we put our priorities first, we have a lot less of the things that are really meaningless. God says it's okay to have some of those things in your life, the little pebbles, but when your life is so full that you could not even see the big rocks in it, couldn't see God, you couldn't see the family, you couldn't see the marriage, you couldn't see the kids, you couldn't see a job. I know people's lost jobs because they did not make it a priority in their life. And God says, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. And, you know, there's some hard things even in the New Testament under grace that Paul writes about. But I wanted to give you that to show you order and how to clear up some of your life. And that's what the fast does, is the fast begins to clear things up in our life and allow us to refocus on what's vital and important. You know, I, I asked quite a few friends this past week, you know, what's some of the things you would like to clear up uh, in your life? Because I was asking, I was just really wanting to know. I said, I got this series, but I want to be able to talk. I mean, they was thinking the same lines as I was thinking and the things that really matter in life. Uh, it's funny when things are in proper order that the mess clears up, that the stress fades. And a lot of this right here, in this, it just speaks stress to us. But when we put priorities straight, these things do not frustrate us as much because we have everything built up on the rock in our life. So the first thing today is order determines priority. 
All right, I'm going to hit these fast and quick. I know it's been a while me doing my opening, but order determines priority. First Kings lets us know. He said, but first make a small loaf of bread from me, from what you have, have, and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your son. Now, Elijah was asking her to do something that, that was essential to order, but also it was excruciating to her. Like, you want me to make a cake for you first, the one that I'm going to make, the last biscuit for me and my son, the last piece of cornbread, and then I said we was going to die, but you told me to make it for you first. See, this is what was happening is that we, first of all, have got to dethrone self in order for God to rise in our life. We have to dethrone this flesh and self in order for God to begin to rise up in our life. In a new year, we're used to putting our physical body first. We go to the gym. We think of our diet plan, how we're going to lose weight. We're used to putting our desires first. We plan the vacations. We commit to hobbies. We set the goal. But putting God first is the only commitment that will bring satisfaction to our life and that will deliver the satisfaction that we're really looking for. If we fill our life with all of this first, we're still going to be wanting. We're still yet going to be unsatisfied. But if we fill this first, there's still a vacation in here. There's still hobbies in here. There's still living life and having fun in here. But God is still the base of everything that we do. So I'll explain why. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23 says, may your spirit and your soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming at our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Notice, I've had this, I talk about this a lot. We are a spirit first, right? And then we have a soul and we have a body. But we got to keep in mind, not a, we, we are not a, you are not a natural being having a spiritual experience. You are a spiritual being having a temporary natural experience. So you are not a natural being having a spiritual experience. We are spirit first. We are a spiritual being having a temporary natural experience. And when we miss this, we live a life out of order that we're not designed for. We are designed as spiritual beings first and then our soul. Our souls are mind, will, and emotions. And then our body follows our soul. But if your spirit's first, your soul begins to live out what your spirit is speaking, which is the mind, will, and emotions. And then the body acts it out. But if your soul first, mind, will, and emotions then you'll be body and there's no spirit there. So there's no like half and half. It's like either your spirit's leading or your soul's leaving. Leading When God is first in every area of your life, then the rest of your life will fall in order. And the reality is, for a lot of us, it is very possible for our life to be out of order. I've been there many times, not having priorities straight. Not having the things in order like I need to. And how do we do this? It's so simple. Well, you know, for me, I told you about me just spending a small moment in the mornings with God. Some of you are at the midnight hour spending time with God. If that's your time, that's your time. But I'm falling asleep by 10, 30, 11. I mean, I'm just dying out to the day. I can't, can't do the late night stuff. Some of you are night hours. But for me, to get my devotion in the day and spend time with God, it must start out my day. So I would tell you on what I know and my experiences 
says, make him first of your day by opening and reading your Bible and praying. In fact, you don't ever find many times people telling you in Scripture to seek God late that he may be found. It says to seek him while he may be found. It also talks about seeking him early as well. But make him first also of your week. I mean, I believe Sunday is important. Uh, does church make you a Christian? It doesn't. Does church make you very spiritual? There's a lot of people that has went to church for years that are not spiritual beings. So that I will tell you this, when you are doing things right spiritually, that you should start your week out in God's house. And then the next one is this, is make him the first uh, of your month by becoming someone who gives and tithes and, and the first of your income. I mean, I'm telling you, if you really trust God with your finances, and you say that he is, then he gets the first 10% of the first fruits of your finances. But then make him the first of your year. We do it every year here. I want to say this is at least our 11th year. It makes us 11 years being here in February, so this is our 11th fast um, going into on the new year. But by joining 21 days of fasting and prayer with us, that is you saying, I'm going to start my year out right. Now, the second thing is this priority determines spiritual power. First Kings lets us know, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, that the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day of the Lord sends rain on the land. God's promise to this woman was if she gets her priorities straight, though it seemed like she did not have much to give. I mean, it's just a handful of things that she felt like that she had, but God said, if you'll just give somewhat, you know, your first part to me, he said, then I'm going to bless the rest of your life. He said, the, the barrel of meal will never run out. The jar of oil will never run out. He said, if you'll just give me the first part. Now, this is the same promise God offers us. That's the reason why we start our week out right. That's the reason why we start our day out right. That's why we start our year out right. That's why we start our finances out right. We do all those things because we're like, you know what? If I trust God with these few minutes in the morning on Monday through Saturday, and then I show up to church on Sunday, and I do the fast, I'm trusting God with my first part of my day and my life. And same thing with your income. You're like, I'm trusting God and I know that he will bless the rest. Spiritual power, not willpower, is what makes the difference. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some things we can will into place. I'm a strong-headed individual. I'm a determined individual. But my frustration many times comes when I'm trying to strong-arm something with my willpower. And it makes no difference because some things need spiritual power. That's why we let our spirits grow. Everything you and I want to accomplish needs God's presence and power. The whole thing is meaningless without God's power. We cannot do anything lasting without Him. We need something that will help us make things last. And when God's not first, I struggle to stay afloat. But when God is first, I can accomplish more than I've ever dreamed. Jesus said so himself in Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his right living or his righteousness. Righteousness means just right way or right, right way of living. God's way of living. So when I seek first his kingdom and God's way of living, then everything that I would ever have need of, that it would be added to my life. In fact, he says earlier on, before that verse, if you study it out, that, you know, don't worry about tomorrow. How are you going to eat? Where are your money's going to come from? 
Don't worry about it. God is going to give you everything that you have need of. But the way that it comes is just putting God first. It's just priority. It's order. It's just simple order. So I suppose it was Martin Luther who God used to shift the whole world towards Jesus who understood this principle as well as anyone. And and he said this, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. Now, Martin Luther, as we know, he shifted everything in his day. I mean, we're looking at 400 years ago. This man shifted everything in his day. I mean, the guy's just incredible leader of his time. That don't mean I have to spend three hours in prayer. That was his call. I'll go ahead and tell you, if I had to spend three hours every morning of the day in prayer, that's just not me. It's never been my call. Have I tried it? You better believe I've tried it. It just didn't work out well. That was me trying to be more into willing something. But I do like to start out my day with God. And that makes the difference. So... What do you need? Wisdom, peace, creativity? What what, what do you need? God can make things happen in your life, but we've got to tap into spiritual power and just put Him first and let order begin to come in its way as God's called it to be. And here's our last one today, is spiritual power determines quality of life. First king, she went away and did as Elijah told her according to Scripture. So there was food every day. Now, that's pretty sustaining. She went and took what was left. She was going to the bottom of the barrel, and she took what was left and gave it first to God because the man of God was representing God. Like, if you'll feed it to me first, then you will have meal in the barrel and oil in the jar until it begins to rain and God begins to bring fruit to the land again. So this lady has learned a valuable lesson. Putting God first ensures I experience God's best. That's what it ensures. When you put God first in your life, it ensures that you will have God's best. Listen, I don't want to live nowhere under the best of God, but I want to live right where His best is for my life. See, most mornings when I spend time with God and His Word, it's not about the longevity It's about the quality. We want to look at quantity. And we beat ourselves up and condemn ourselves and guilt ourselves over quantity. But God says, I just want quality. I just want you to give me some time. You know what? If you've got a lot of time that day, God knows. He knows your schedule. Let me go ahead and tell you. He knows it. And if you'll spend time with Him, there'll be days you've got lots of time. But I'm telling you, there's times you just give him that first part of your day, maybe five, ten minutes. God will speak to you all day through your job and everywhere else and use you to everyone you come across from. He's speaking to you all day. So God is not limited by you just sitting down at a table praying and, and reading. God can move all day long through you just because you blaze, place some order in your life. A life God blesses has learned the lesson of order. They'll come to the music today. I want you to have your best year. And I want to give you two challenges. Just two final challenges on this. Turn your win into now. Turn your win into now. We have a tendency to make up perfect scenarios. Right? I mean, have you ever done that? Well, when I make more money, this is how I'm going to get out of debt. 
Or when I get a new house, then I'll, leave a, I'll lead a life group at home. We're already thinking life groups, in case you're wondering. When we get a new house, I'll lead a life group. When my schedule changes or when my kids move out, then the workload lightens. I mean, we come up with all these wins, but we tend to be a win then type of people. And I think sometimes some of us even put off God. Why not turn your win into now? Why not begin to act upon something now? Don't always say when. What about now? Because when you begin to put priorities in God there, your now and action, it says now. Regardless of the excuses, I'm telling you to stop delaying. The time is now. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6 and 2, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor, and now is the day of salvation. He said right now. Today is his day of salvation. Now's the time of getting things in order. Not next year. Not next year's fast. Not next year of getting Sunday straight. Not next year starting the tithe. Not next year starting your morning out right. What about today? Stop the excuses. Stop procrastinating and live your best year. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to reach out to us, please contact us through social media or at westloganchurch.com.